Hare Krishna, welcome everybody. My name is Ananda. So today we are blessed to have uh, a wonderful speaker, Chaitanya Charan Prabhu. How many of you know Chaitanya Charan Prabhu? He's not well known at all, right? You've never heard, seen him on YouTube, read one of his thousands of Gita Delhi blogs. So Chaitanya Charan Prabhu is the author of 27 books and the world's only daily blog on the Bhagavad Gita, gitadaily.com, where he's written over 4,000 articles on the Gita. He really knows the Gita, he loves the Gita, and he has drawn so many just nuggets, treasures from the Gita. He gives 400 talks across 100 cities in four continents every year. He's been at TEDx, the World Peace Conference, spoken at TEDx, World Peace Conference, UNESCO, Intel, Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, Stanford, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, MIT, and Cambridge. He's a member of ISKCON's Shastrik Advisory Council and is an associate editor of Back to Godhead magazine. So please lean in and listen and give a warm welcome to Chaitanya Charan Prabhu. Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shrimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine, Vancha Kalpataru Bhescha, Kripas and Hubya Evacha, Patitanam Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo Namonamaha, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhara, Shri Vasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare I'm grateful to be here with all of you today and I'll speak on the topic of detachment what it is and what it isn't I'll be using this as a whiteboard for writing and drawing a few things I'll speak on the 15th verse of the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita I'll explain the verse and we'll recite it once or twice and then we'll go ahead with it. So Krishna is telling over here, he's talking about those people, those devotees who become dear to him. And Yasman, by whom no dvijate are not disturbed, people. Yasman, no dvijate lokaha. That means others are not disturbed by such a person. Yes, can you try to repeat after me? Yasma no dvijate loko. So, lokan no dvijate chaya. By people, such a person is not disturbed. So, it's the other way around. Doesn't disturb others and is not disturbed by others. Lokan no dvijate chaya. And then the various typical disturbances that may come in relationships are talked about. Interesting, the first is a bit counterintuitive. 
harsh harsh is actually jubilation so here said jubilation can also be a disturbance to the extent we are too much going to our positive emotion to the extent we go to a negative emotion also later so harsh is jubilation amarsha is the opposite of it dejection bhaya is fear insecurity apprehension anxiety panic all of that and udvega udvega is total disillusionment harsha marsha bhayo dvegair mukto one who is free from all of this yah that person sir chame that person is dear to me priyaha so mukto yah sachame priyaha it's interesting in this particular verse although the sequence of verses from 12 13 to 20 in the bhagavad gita is talking about the qualities that endear a devotee to krishna you, previous verses for example say yo mad bhaktah same priyaha such a devotee is dear to me but it's interesting in this verse krishna leaves out the devotee part there's no explicit reference to a devotee so it's almost as if krishna is saying if a person lives a life who is where they are not disturbing others and they are not being disturbed by others then such a person is dear to me so let's try to understand what this verse means and how we can live in this way so so essentially what this verse is saying is i hope you can see from here okay so if you have two people so krishna is saying don't disturb and don't be disturbed i was once doing a, a seminar on relationships and i asked the participants many of them were practicing devotees we have to tolerate many things in life so what are the things we need to tolerate so one person raised the hand very enthusiastically yes he said we have to tolerate devotees <laughs> <laughs> i said yes it's a good realization that we should tolerate devotees that even if there are some difficulties we don't just give up our bhakti because of that but after a little bit when we advance we will realize that devotees are tolerating us <laughs> that others are tolerating us also it is not just that we have to tolerate others so in general life is disturbing so we could say broadly speaking in life if we consider the range of distress there is some basic level of distress that is just unavoidable hmm? we'll all grow old we'll all get diseased we'll all die sometimes it's too hot sometimes it's too cold these will this level of distress is unavoidable mm-hmm. and then above that there is distress we could say it is individual that means it is individual responsibility the individual is the cause sometimes our actions cause that distress sometimes so for example something 
negative happens and we get angry. We yell and we hurt, we speak words that hurt the other person. Then it is that we are increasing the trouble out there. So there is distress which is individually, it is caused by individual avoidable actions. And this is what we are going to focus on. Where there is inevitable distress and there is avoidable distress. How we can minimize this avoidable distress. And then beyond that, you could say, I put it at the highest level, but there's a, in one sense, the lowest level. It is the individual intentional actions. Some people actually like to cause pain to others. Uh, they delight, they think the proof of their power and their success in life is how much they can make others cover in fear. How much they can cause agony to others. Such people just can't do anything with them. We just have to keep a distance from them. So here, Krishna is talking about a person who is virtuous or is trying to be virtuous. So those they don't want to cause distress, but sometimes our actions end up causing distress. So this is, now in the previous verses, Krishna has talked about detachment. And while detachment can be defined in many different ways, I'll focus on detachment in one particular sense. That one particular sense has two different features. It is as detachment to means to let go of things beyond our control. Hmm? So that we can take hold of things in our control. I remember uh, in my early days, 20 years ago, I was uh, going on book distribution. There's one devotee in our team, young person. And he was given the responsibility of handling all the collection. So he came back from distribution and then we were asking, okay, how many books were given track? How many books were distributed? And he said, he says, okay, where is the bag? He says, oh, I lost the bag. I said, you lost the bag? He says, yeah, I, I lost the bag. How could you have lost the bag? And he said, oh, okay, you know, you're distributing the Bhagavad Gita. Now practice the Bhagavad Gita, be detached. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was a little taken aback. I was new, I was a little disoriented. Then I thought about it. See, here, detachment was being used as an excuse for irresponsibility. Hmm? Detachment, actually, in one sense, the way Krishna explains is that we have, there is action and then there is the result of action. So, we do action and then result comes, normally speaking. So, what Krishna is talking about detachment is with respect to the result. After I do my action, if the result doesn't come, with respect to that, I am detached. But if I don't do my action well, that is not detachment. That is irresponsibility. So, this is again an example of what is in our control, what is not in our control. The results are not always in our control. We may apply for an interview and we may or may not get the, jo get the job. We may try to do a service and sometimes the service involves so many factors, the service may not work out. So if things don't 
things that are not in our control with respect to that we are detached but with respect to what is in our control our endeavor our preparation our arranging things properly that we, we are not meant to be detached there it is that we need to be responsible so when detachment is used as an excuse for irresponsibility then that actually takes us down it not only makes us in one sense worse but also makes the situations worse so this is with respect to actions but here so that this was just a quick introduction to detachment with respect to actions but i'll focus more on detachment in terms of relationships so most of what i'm going to talk is going to be around this particular diagram so if i am here the other person is here whether it could be a friend it could be a relative it could be a spouse it could be a partner it could be a sibling whoever and then above us all is krishna so we have our relationship with krishna we have our relationship with the other person and they have their relationship with krishna so let's number these as 1 2 and 3 one is our relationship with krishna two is our relationship with that person and three is that person's relationship with krishna so in general when we function say if i am relating with somebody else with rajvihari prabhu's blessings i have attempted some mediations and most of them have been spectacular failures <laughs> one time i was trying to do a mediation and there's two people you know one person was very angry with the other person so the first person the second person approached the first person and said i i see that you're very angry with me can you tell me what i have done to cause such anger and the first person said you exist no if somebody has an attitude like that it's almost impossible to resolve things isn't it so sometimes that's the first, that's the top category you know people are out to hurt others so in that situation nothing can be done but in general when we interact with others inevitably there are some differences some difficulties some conflicts that come up so for us when a conflict happens the extent to which it affects us depends on how much we are attached either to that relationship or to whatever we seek through that relationship now if for example a person defines a person's defining identity is that say i am a teacher suppose that's a profession that's their job if they are a teacher and that is how they define themselves as and if a student becomes a bit undisciplined student doesn't behave properly then it is not just okay the student is not behaving properly it is not only that okay i am not able to do my job as a teacher properly it is that i as a person am a failure because i am defining myself as that particular relationship in that particular role as a teacher and that can be far more agonizing so when we are disturbed by others it is not so much the actions of others that disturb us 
it is what those actions mean for us so in general it, life will always have dualities so you know we can one sometimes we lose something sometimes things don't work out the way we want sometimes people don't listen to us so we might have to say i have lost that so these are i would say degrees of disturbance degrees of disturbance so i have lost life just has ups and downs so sometimes we lose but worse than that is i am lost i have lost is where i tried to do something it didn't work out but i am lost means i just don't know what i'm supposed to do but the worst of all is i am a loser so when we start defining ourselves as a loser then that is shaking us at our very core and that will trigger a huge reaction nobody wants to be thought of as a loser so when we define ourselves too much in terms of a particular role a particular relationship a particular identity based on those roles and relationships when anything goes wrong in that then it is not just that activity going wrong it is not just and i have lost but it is i am a loser if i am if i define myself solely as a parent and then if my children are not turning out the way i want them to then it is not just that my child is not listening to me or that my child is going on a bad path it is that i as a parent am a failure and because i am defining myself as a parent so therefore i am a failure i am a loser so what the bhagavad gita does for us is that we define ourselves in terms of this relationship we are always parts of krishna and that relationship becomes the source of our stability so we could say that our identity is multi level we have many functional identities a functional identity can be based on our job it can be based on our gender it can be based on our nationality it can be based on our it can be based on our um, age group it can be based on our financial level all these are different functional identities however underlying it all we have a fundamental identity so we have our vyavaharik identity functional identity and underlying it is our fundamental identity so in one sense we do identify with each of these but each of these are only one part of who we are none of this is the whole of who we are so to the extent we are grounded in our fundamental identity to that extent others actions won't disturb us that much okay this person didn't listen to me okay it's it's not it's not something i'm pleased about but it doesn't make me think that i am a loser because i am a soul the soul is indestructible and the soul always has a relationship with krishna so to the extent our relationship 
to that extent we are connected with krishna strongly to that extent the storms in our relationships in our interactions with others due to the way others behave that won't disturb us so much if our purpose is every activity that i am doing my primary purpose is to connect with krishna to serve krishna then in that situation okay this person doesn't behave properly with me i'm concerned but i am not too disturbed by that let me explain this with an example you suppose there is a big mall and in which there is one attendant and there is some customer who comes in Now normally if a customer comes in the various attendants might come so that they can make a sale but there are some customers who are very demanding who are very grouchy who are very sullen nobody likes them i was at one person's house they had written on their wall a quote all our guests make us happy some by arriving and some by departing <laughs> <laughs> so suppose this <laughs> very rude and rough customer comes and as soon as they come in all the attendants start going away nobody wants to talk with them but suppose one attendant starts talking and this person demands okay this is see 100 200 500 clothes and they complain about everything and then they go away now it's natural that that person the attendant will get irritated but suppose here is the boss and there is cctv and the boss is watching now the attendant knows i would like to make the sale but the attendant also knows that my salary is coming from my boss so if the attendant stays polite stays uh, courteous and then the 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 customer still grafts still gets cross and goes away but the boss is watching the boss sees and the boss comes and says hey you know how to deal with tough guys you know how to deal with difficult customers you did a good job there i'll make you in charge of this whole wing and you train other attendants how to deal with such customers so in one sense there was a failure in the interaction with the customer but there was success in the relationship with the boss so oh, this person did not get disturbed the attendant did not get disturbed because their focus was on the boss now similarly for a devotee when people behave in an unreasonable way a devotee's focus is not just on that person you did this to me therefore you hit me so i'll hit you harder no the focus is how can i serve krishna in this situation and in that way we can become detached relatively speaking from how the other person is behaving with us so we seek strength in our vertical relationship with krishna and that brings stability in our horizontal relationship with others say i am here krishna is here so this is my vertical relationship other than this is our most important relationship and then we have relationships with various other people all these are our horizontal relationships so to the extent we are strong in our vertical relationship we will be calmer amid the inevitable ups and downs and storms in our horizontal relationships so this is how we can avoid being disturbed by others
Now, of course, there are limits. This doesn't mean passivity. This doesn't mean letting people walk over us. It just means being courteous and reasonable. So we are clear-headed. Detachment broadly means to be clear-headed. It is not mean to be hard-hearted. So let's look at that from the ne next part. So first part is don't be disturbed by others. The second part is don't disturb others. So one of the reasons why we disturb others is that often we think, I know what is the right thing. And you are not doing the right thing. And we tell somebody to do the right thing and they don't do it. That makes us even more angry. So, once a, a father was telling his son, I told you, do this, you never learn. The son was a little cheeky, he said, no dad, you never learn that I will never learn. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when we try to get others to do something and they don't do that, that is the time, even when it's not a question of our identity, so we are secure in our identity. Uh, but when they are doing something which is harmful, which is counterproductive, we want that they, they be protected. And that is true. Our intentions may be good. But it is important to, detachment in this context means that we recognize that people's actions are not something which we can control. That detachment means to recognize the limits of our control over others. It's not that we don't have control, it is we have limited control. We could say, if consider a parent-child relationship. Initially, the relationship is very vertical. In the sense that, the ch child parents tell the child, now it's not a very small child, but as the child is growing up, okay, don't go out of the house, don't touch this, don't do that. And the parents have control over the child. And that's how it should be. They have to keep the child safe. But as they start growing, the relationship starts becoming more and more horizontal. And especially when there are teenage years. I think it was Mark Twain, he said that, when I was 17, my father was a fool. Now I am 25, and I'm amazed how much the old guy has learned in the last eight years. <laughs> so, in those teenage turbulent years, when, in one sense, the parents are losing the control on the child. Now, we, we just can't, we can't avoid that. It's every generation's challenge. But more, sometimes more important than doing the, getting the other person to do the right thing is to maintain the right relationship. If we just maintain the right relationship, eventually the other person will learn. Okay, yeah, this is good. Suppose somebody tries to control the other person. If you don't listen to me, you, will, you can never come in my house. And one day you'll realize you're wrong and you'll come back crawling on your knees. What will happen is, even if they realize they're wrong, they will not come back. Because it became an issue of the ego. So sometimes, we just have to recognize the limits of our control. And if, if we realize that something is beyond my control, then let go. Let go understanding that, ultimately that person, as a service to them, we try to help them. But beyond that, ultimately everybody is Krishna's part. 
so in one sense we do go back to this relationship we do our part in two in every relationship there is some contribution that we do something we do for the other person and there is some expectation we have something we seek from the other person so we do our part in that relationship but sometimes what we may get from that relationship may not be too much and that's fair enough things will change we recognize the limits of our control over others now generally speaking if we become spiritual if we become krishna conscious we start understanding that everybody is connected with krishna krishna has a plan for everyone and that in one sense should be making us more understanding towards others okay this person not yet ready let let them have their space but sometimes it does the opposite what happens for us that because we are practicing bhakti we want our loved ones also to practice bhakti and then going back to this see krishna is here i am here and the other person is here so we are quite serious about our relationship with krishna and we want them to be serious about their relationship with krishna but because we are practicing bhakti what happens is in our relationship with that person we become detached hmm? and in trying to get them to develop a relationship with krishna we become attached so what happens is oh, you should not eat this you should not watch this you should not go there you should not do that so in one sense our expectation from the other person starts increasing and on the other side our contribution in that relationship are decreasing you know i have to go to the temple i have to do this seva i have to do this i have to do that and that is just mundane i don't want to do that so that creates a huge strain so in one sense if this happens we are trying to develop the two our relation we are trying to help them develop their relationship with krishna but in trying to help them develop their relationship with krishna we are creating a strain in our relationship with them so we put too much pressure here in their relationship with krishna and then that creates a strain in our relationship with them and when there is strain there then that creates a disturbance even in our relationship with krishna why because if in a close relationship there is a lot of strain we sit down to chant we sit down to try to practice some bhakti it's difficult to focus and unfortunately instead of resolving the second the relationship with the other person sometimes we think that intensifying our relationship with krishna is going to solve the problem that means you know okay i have some issue i need to talk it out i need to understand the other person i need to help the other person understand but instead i'll just chant more rounds it will solve all problems no it doesn't work like that bhakti has two distinct aspects i'll conclude with this point that if we consider this is the spiritual level this is the material level of reality and say we are here generally we think of bhakti as we practice bhakti to go from the material level to the spiritual level and our understanding is krishna exists here at the spiritual level so i go to the spiritual world and i attain krishna so yes this is definitely bhakti but this is one aspect of bhakti we can call this as immerse bhakti krishna talks about this in 12 the same chapter 12.8 and also 
But Krishna also talks about another form of bhakti. Immersive bhakti means we turn away from the world to focus on Krishna. But there is another form of bhakti that we turn toward the world and we act in a mood of service to the world. Service in the world, that is inclusive bhakti. And this arises from the understanding that Krishna doesn't just exist here. Krishna actually pervades all of existence. Yataha pravrittir bhutanam yena sarvamidam tatam Svakarmanatam abhyarcha siddhim vindati manava That yataha pravrittir bhutanam Krishna says from whom that world has come, the entire existence has come about and by whom that entire existence is pervaded. That Lord worship through your work. So, worship through your work. That means Krishna is saying, be diligent, be attentive in our roles and responsibilities and relationships in the world. We do that in a mood of service to Krishna. So, Krishna uses the word abhyarcha. Abhyarcha means to worship. I once saw a poster. It says, like a cartoon. It says, uh, multitasking in bhakti. And that was what? That one person who was doing arti to the deities and the other hand they were watching a TikTok video. <laughs> now, if somebody is doing that, we would consider outrageous, sacrilegious, this is ridiculous. How can you do that? Then worship, offer your heart to Krishna. Yes, we need to do that. But, uh, most of us, we wouldn't be watching a TikTok video or looking at our phone when we are doing arti. But quite often, when we are talking with others, oh, we will just be distracted. We're looking at our phone, we're doing a hundred other things. But Krishna is present in that person also, that person's heart also. So, when we act in a mood of service, that means, again, detachment is to let go of that which is not in our control and to focus on what is in our control. So, what is in our control with respect to detachment? So, three. Three is that person's relationship with Krishna. That is not in our control. But two, our relationship with that person, at least in terms of how we act in that relationship, that is very much in our control. And if we act in a responsible way, we do our activities responsibly in that relationship, that is what will actually change the heart of that person. That person may not be interested in practicing bhakti by us pushing them, come to the temple, read this book, hear this lecture. They may do that, they may not do that. But if they start seeing that by our practice of bhakti, we are actually becoming calmer, we are becoming more understanding, more patient. Whatever be our relationship with them, in that relationship we are becoming a better person. Now we are becoming a more understanding, reasonable partner. We are becoming a calmer parent. We are becoming a gentler friend. You see that? That is what will attract them toward Krishna. So rather than forcing that person to develop the three, their relationship with Krishna, if we try to develop our relationship with that person. That doesn't mean that we have to do all the mundane things that they are doing. It just means we connect with them at a human level. In the sixth canto is described when Maharaj Chitraketu is disturbed. At that time when the sages come, they don't start immediately giving philosophical knowledge to him. They say, are you well? As a king, how are things going for you? Are your citizens well? Are your ministers well? Is your family well? So they are exp 
they are establishing connection at a human level first and then the connection can be established at a spiritual level so in this way when we exhibit detachment detachment not in the sense that we don't care but detachment in the sense that we don't seek to control we seek to serve so when we have that then we will not be a cause of disturbance to others and we will not be disturbed by others so detachment to conclude this detachment it does not mean absence of emotions it doesn't mean that we don't care for the other person that is definitely not the meaning of detachment detachment is not cold heartedness hmm? but detachment is its absence of control by emotions the emotion that no, you have to listen to me and if you don't listen to me i'll get so angry that you'll be scared and you listen to me no okay we understand our role our relationship our responsibility our limitations and then we act accordingly so detach means to not emotionally think you have to listen to me we understand the limits of our control and then the focus is it's it's we care but we express the care not through control but through service when we act in this way we will find that our relationship with krishna will also improve our relationship with others in terms of not only that particular relationship improving but over a period of time they will also start coming closer to krishna and that shila prabhupad said was the purpose of one of the purposes of the krishna consciousness movement he said that to bring people closer to each other and closer to the prime entity krishna so i'll summarize i spoke let's see, book three main points today i spoke first about what detachment means in terms of actions as an introduction the detachment in actions means that we are detached from the results not the res- duties or responsibilities themselves so we do our duties and then we let go of the results otherwise we'll be irresponsible then i talked about the ski diagram of we krishna and the other person and within that we talked about how we can avoid being disturbed so to not be disturbed by others what we do is we situate ourselves in our fundamental identity and our fundamental relationship that means one becomes the source of our strength and stability and when that happens then we can be calmer even in our functional relationships so i give the example of the attendant and then how do we avoid disturbing others in that we talked about how we understand that our control over others is limited and therefore we focus on what we can do in that relationships so i talked about two forms of bhakti immersive and inclusive and immersive means that is centered on one we focus on connecting with krishna but inclusive means we focus on to we work we turn towards others and act in the mood of service in that particular relationship krishna talks about this in 12.10 he also talks about 1846 when he talks about working working as a form of worship and in that way we leave detachment would be that we leave the third their relationship with krishna to krishna and them and we focus on to unfortunately if we do the opposite 
we become detached in our relationship with them and we become very attached to how they act in the relationship with Krishna. Then that will backfire. But if we focus on acting in a mood of service in that relationship and they start seeing positive changes in us by our practice of bhakti, that is the strongest way we can inspire them to develop their relationship with Krishna. In this way, while distress is unavoidable in the world, at least the avoidable distress we will be able to minimize by our spiritual practices, both in an immersive and inclusive way. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.